and we're back. Already? <laughs> oh, this is so cringy. Hello, this is Victor. Today I get to... I don't know why I said it like that. Today I get to talk to someone I've actually known for a really long time now. It's been like... What's 2020? I feel like it's been like eight like years. 2012. Yeah, I get to talk to Amy. I met her on social media, I think. Like through Facebook or Instagram, through a mutual friend. We would not recommend. <laughs> and I met her, I've known her for like five years, and then I finally met her in person, maybe, or maybe you're six. Mm-hmm. And then I most recently saw her in Spain. We were just coincidentally in Spain together, which was crazy. Um, but I guess, you know, that's the inter- introduction you get. So, Amy, thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> such a long intro like describe our whole entire background I also said joining us it's just me so (laughs) yeah I think it's crazy that we've known each other for literally eight years but we've seen each other in person twice I know it's the social media age will really do that to you (laughs) really well um well I actually haven't seen or talked to Amy in a while so I just wanted to ask uh what have you been doing these past couple of months with like quarantine and then now that you're back in school like what's been up with you yeah that's a good question um I went home after school ended I stayed on campus until the end of the semester to finish it out and then I was at home actually interning at the same place that Victor's about to go to in the spring um and that was remote which was super unfortunate but it was still like a good experience um and being at home was pretty draining I would say but it was super nice that I got to be at home, like, with my family and, like, have all these meals cooked for me, <laughs> which was great. Um, and another thing I discovered was Catan. I played, like, probably every other day of the summer, like, whether in person, in my yard, or, like, on colonist.io. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I spent a lot of time, like, outside with friends from high school. We played a lot of, like, volleyball and spike ball and things like that. So, yeah, it's been... um it's been a while like I feel like I'm very used to quarantine right now where what where were you supposed to work had it not been virtual oh I was supposed to be in this super small town in Connecticut called Northford um it looked very like suburban like small town so that would have been interesting to go to I feel like I expected I would like be working in a city for like the first time um but yeah I was very um like low-key so super interesting yeah would your parents have let you remain in Pennsylvania um during like March through May or did they kind of force you to come back um I stayed like on and off in Pennsylvania I was actually so my dad was in New Jersey for a period of time so I was with him there and he was like pretty like iffy about me staying in Pennsylvania just because Philadelphia had like such a spike in cases early on but yeah, I don't know. It was very um flexible at the time, it felt like, because I was still like going to New Jersey with my dad, and then we ended up driving home um, from the East Coast back to Minnesota. So that was like an 18-hour drive, but I think my dad was like freaked out about flying. <laughs> I don't blame him. I would be too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. When I came back here, I was expecting like maybe one person per row on my flight, And there were four people in my row, and, like, that's how the whole flight looked like. So I was like, wait a second. Yeah, so, like, school right now for you, is it 
kind of hybrid or is it all online? What's it look like right now? Penn actually pulled a, a tough one on everyone. So we were supposed to be in hybrid um, for the whole entire semester. And then two weeks before school was supposed to start, they announced that everything would be online, which I think like happened for a few different schools, which really sucks. Like I feel really bad for the freshmen, but I was already back on campus when they announced that. So I was kind of like, okay, like I feel bad for all the freshmen and sophomores, but um, I'm ready here. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's not your fault. <laughs> Sorry to the administration. That's crazy. Yeah, for A and M, I feel like a lot of us expected them to push it to online like really soon, and mm-hmm. we have like this COVID tracker. I don't know how many like pause like app. Yeah, like a dashboard on a website, mm-hmm. and I don't know how many people have gotten po- tested positive. I know it's like a really low amount. I mean, it's still probably yeah. in like the thousands just because they've tested so many people but it's like a less than 10 percent positive rate but i was i don't know i was just Wait, certain 10 percent is really high you know the thing with a&m is that i think they care a lot about just money and so <laughs> and game days oh my gosh game days I, I feel like i talked to you a little bit about this but it we is did talk a little bit about it it's crazy like football in texas is real like people love it so much they don't care if you're in a pandemic and i've seen a lot of people you know go into a football game with a mask and then you're standing next to people in the stands a mask is nowhere to be found <laughs> oh no yeah i think that's crazy i'm also like like pre-covid i was very jealous of all the big um schools that were like super like rah-rah about football because we don't do like anything like that here like our stands are nearly empty i feel like when there's games which is super sad <laughs> Do you have school spirit? <laughs> I definitely have school spirit. I just feel like as a school, we are a little lacking, I think, um, especially for sports. Like, I just wish there was more of, like, the game day feel. I think that only happens really for homecoming or if it's, like, a big game. But, yeah, I'm definitely jealous. <laughs> Could you explain to me what homecoming is in college? Because I don't – we don't have that at A&M, so. Oh, What? That's really surprising. I guess, like, all of your games probably feel like sort of a homecoming, but I guess the tradition is, like, all the alumni come back, and then all the current students will, like, have, like, a hype, like, pregame and, like, go to the game. We have this tradition where you throw toast, except it's just, like, bread onto the field. (laughs) Wow. And I remember my first homecoming, I was, like, in the front row, like, trying to throw bread, and me being in the front row just shows, like, how little people are at (laughs) the game. And I got, like, hit in the face with a piece of bread. But, yeah, super, super interesting tradition. Is a football field just covered with bread? Like, do they just play through that? It's, like, I actually don't remember. I'm assuming they cleaned it up during halftime. Or maybe it was the end of the game. I actually have no idea. But I think, like, a lot of people don't actually get their bread, like, onto the field because, like, it just ends up somewhere else in the stands. Um, But otherwise, it's just, like, the track and, like, maybe a little bit of the field that's covered in bread. Oh, rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> Food waste is a big problem in America, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everywhere. <laughs> no, or you could... Do you, guys have, do you guys have any, um, like, traditions at A&M that are similar? Oh, A&M is huge on traditions. Um, we do these, like, yells. Um, we, have, we don't have cheerleaders, but we have what we call yell leaders. It's just four mm-hmm. people, four... Traditionally, it's four guys. Um, 
hopefully they can get some like female representation in there but um we have like they just do yells and we like practice them we have midnight yell which is midnight before a game like the the night before the game um we go to kyle field practice yells and kind of like talk trash about the other team you practice yells yeah so they'll be like oh so like this is the yell or like this is a signal for this yell and this is what you do and then it's just 20 minutes, wow. but it's a pretty big tradition. There's a lot of other traditions, but none of them involve wow. throwing food onto the field. Good. That's great to hear. So do a lot of people show up for the yelling? It depends. It depends how, you know, good the opponent, I guess, is. Like, if we're playing Alabama, there's usually a big crowd. Uh, I remember us, we played Clemson, like, two years ago and at A&M, and a lot of people showed up, but... It, even if it's like a non-conference opponent, there's usually a lot of people, so it's really, really cool. Yeah, I bet that was really exciting, like pre-COVID times. Yeah, there's so many restrictions now; it's crazy. That's good. I'm <laughs> proud of you guys. Uh, we aren't doing the best job of dealing with it. I'm not gonna lie. Mm, that's fair. I feel like in comparison, though, like a lot of the like southern states are like pretty lax. No, yeah, for sure. Um, Kind of switching gears a little bit, you talked about, um, you know, how your dad was in Jersey and everything. Why don't you tell me, mm-hmm. tell the listeners about your family, how, what yeah, the dynamic sure. is. Um, so I grew up like in the same house my whole life um, in Woodbury, Minnesota. Love that place. Um, and growing up, my dad like actually worked in South Dakota. So from like fifth grade until um, by the time I was in college, he would like commute back and forth um every weekend which is like a three and a half hour drive but like even worse if it's like snowing in the winter because midwest winters are pretty rough um so yeah I didn't really get to see my dad that often growing up and he was definitely like the stricter one out of like um my parents when it came to like social things but my mom was like um stricter about grades growing up I felt like so when I got to like high school and stuff my mom was like really chill about like me doing things um and then my dad would come home on the weekend and then I'd be like ah I gotta like (laughs) lay low (laughs) yeah um but yeah I would say I'm like like medium close with my parents I definitely think there's a lot of things to be improved on I think there's just like dynamic that's like there because they're like immigrant parents and we also have like the generational gap so we've had like tussles about that growing up but overall like yeah I love my family I have a brother who's uh, a year and a half older so he just graduated um and it's great to have like an older sibling I feel like a lot of younger siblings can attest they kind of just like paved the way for you and then we just come up and like do what they did but do it a little better because you have that like that uh step up from them no yeah I, I think especially with like the whole immigrant parents thing and the generational gap I feel like I've definitely experienced that too I think growing up it was a lot of emphasis on grades um i think they they didn't really see a a priority or like an importance in in socializing it was kind of me showing them that like i need to have this to like like function i guess Mm -hmm. um and like i think i got closer with my parents since i got into college because they realized they couldn't always be there and control you exactly Yeah. yeah and so I think definitely college has been a huge grow- growing point for like me and my parents. But in high school, um, I mean, I was immature in high school. I didn't really know what was right or what was wrong. Um, but 
I definitely agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I found that looking back, like, a lot of things my parents and I disagreed about in high school, I've, like, reflected back on and been like, okay, they're definitely right about this. Um, So that's been interesting. Like, I feel like I also feel similarly, like, I was pretty, like, immature with them growing up, and I could have, like, treated them better. Like, I feel like I was the kid who would just, like, tell my parents that I was going to do this instead of asking them if I could do it at some point. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting (laughs) growth from that. Yeah. Do you think you like, since you went to college, you said your dad was more chill with, or your dad was more like letting you do social stuff and your mom was like more, I guess, strict about grades. Do you feel like they kind of let up on that since you were in college or is it kind of the same? Um, yeah, they've definitely like let up on it, but like even in the summer, like this past summer when I was home, my dad would be like, okay, it's like 11, 12 o'clock, you should come home now. And I'd be like, uh, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, my dad's definitely one that's like very protective of like me staying out late at night and things like that. Like he's just very protective. Yeah. You go to University of Pennsylvania, which is very different, I imagine, from where you grew up. So what was that transition like? So it's been a while. I'm currently a junior. Um, and I remember like, before I came to Philadelphia, I, like, could not even sleep at night. I was just, like, so excited to make the transition from high school to college, Um, and I definitely think I had really, really high expectations for college, um, which were not exactly met, but I still think coming to college was, like, an awesome transition. It was definitely difficult at first because it was so, like, far from home, but I think a part of me has always been, like, very independent, so I was very happy to be in, like, a new city away from home and away from, like, um, everything I knew, like, I guess I felt like it could be, like, a fresh start in a way. Um, I think the hardest part was the academic transition, because when I went to my public high school at home, it was, like, pretty chill for me. Like, I didn't feel super academically challenged, and I think I felt prepared for college, but then when I got to college, I realized everything is so much harder than I anticipated. Um, So that was definitely something I struggled with, Um, but I feel like I just have loved like all the people I've met and it's been like a great experience in that front. And I feel like there's so many opportunities that everyone has in college. So like extracurriculars, social, um, academic growth. So that's been really awesome. Yeah. Did you have any other options like college wise to go to or like what made you go to UPenn? Yeah, I applied to a decent amount of schools I think I applied to 15 schools and only like two were in the midwest and then the rest were like either on the east or west coast but like mostly the east coast and Penn was always my favorite ivy because it had that combination or had like the reputation of being like the social ivy and I just like loved that about that I thought um like I didn't want everything to be like about academics even though that's like not true for any college like now that I've gotten here and realized like, no college, it's just, like, all schoolwork, Um, but yeah, I picked Penn because of that, and then I also got into Johns Hopkins, which is where my brother went for college, so I was debating between those two, but since I, like, didn't really want to go into, like, anything medical, um, and I had visited Hopkins campus before, and it was, like, a little small and, like, isolated for me, I, like, definitely knew Penn was the right choice. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you talked about not wanting to go into medicine. You're, you're computer science right now. Why, why computer science? 
<laughs> TBH for my pick computer science. I didn't really know why computer science actually applied to all my schools as a chemical engineer. Um, but Penn has their chemical engineering major combined with biomolecular engineering. So I was like, I saw the word bio and I was like, okay, I can't apply for that. <laughs> I applied for material science and engineering because um, that's something I like dabbled in in high school. I did like an internship one summer where I learned about material science. I was like, okay, that'll be like relevant to me. And that's what I thought I wanted to do. But then after I like had already picked that I was going to Penn, I went there for like Quaker days, which is like their weekend where admitted students can visit and like talk to people in like the departments that they're in. Um, and me and my parents went and my dad like kind of talked me away from material science because he thought that it didn't have many like career path choices except for like graduate school, like research and things like that. And that's not what I was really interested in. Um, and we looked through like the rest of the majors that they offered and computer science is one that I never thought I would do. Like I didn't even take AP comp sci in high school and it feels like everyone I know here did, like even if they're not computer science majors. <laughs> so yeah, he pushed me in the computer science direction even though like no one in my family has experience with that just because we realized that there's like a lot of career paths for it. And I think like, I was pretty like against like my parent pushing me in a career path direction. But after I got here and like took a computer science class, I was like, okay, this is actually like really fun. Like I love the problem solving aspect of it, even though I like hate the debugging aspect of oh, it. Oh yeah. But yeah, but I think there's so many different career paths that you can go into like engineering or not. Like it's just very like open. Yeah. I, I'm kind of the same way with like my parents too, is like, I did not know what I wanted to do. And my parents were both, my mom had like family members in the medicine, like medical field. And my dad was mm -hmm. mechanical. And so I was very conflicted because I was like, I don't know what to do, but I'm good at math. So probably, <laughs> probably something in the STEM field, but I also did really bad in chemistry. So, um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I felt like a way to appease both my parents was to do like biomedical engineering because it was like you know but yeah I remember that you were going in biomedical quickly realized that it wasn't for me um so I stuck with mechanical and it's definitely been a what a ride but um I am I'm glad that I've gotten through it <laughs> almost <laughs> I feel like it fits you also like in high school when you think of engineering you just think of mechanical and I was like yeah like that suits Victor <laughs> oh yeah for sure I like it's kind of funny too because up until I think up until like sophomore year of college, I didn't know what engineers did or even like what my dad did. I just knew he worked for a company, like an oil and gas company and that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's so different from like the classes you take in high school. Like I took this like CAD class in high school and I don't think that's what mechanical engineers do on the daily. <laughs> like I feel like it's, I don't know, a lot more involved, like collaborative. Oh yeah, you can't. They're like you have to be on a team. You can't get things done on your own. That's impossible. Mm -hmm. I feel. Mhm, mm for sure. Um, but you know, I I was going through your social media, obviously, as I as I do. Even if I wasn't doing a podcast, do. even if I wasn't doing a podcast, I I probably still would. <laughs> it's just it's funny to see the progression of of Amy's life from 2012 to 2020. Oh my gosh! Back <laughs> at you. But. I saw something that I think you posted in like 2019 
about the percentage project and you know being a female in comp sci, which is I I mean I see it here at A and M. There's not too many. Mm -hmm. So like, what is that, and why are you like passionate about that? Yeah, the percentage project is something started by someone at Penn, I believe, and it's just this like movement where um, once a year a bunch of like women in computer science will take pictures um, and then we'll all like change our profile pictures on Facebook to this picture with an overlay of a bunch of statistics that we gathered from people um, in the computer science department at Penn. And yeah, it's super awesome because I think it brings a lot of awareness to how people may feel, not necessarily even women, but um, a lot of people may feel about the lack of diversity in so many facets and not just at Penn, but at like so many other schools as well. I think it's just a woman in STEM thing. But I feel like at Penn, I got pretty lucky because we do have a pretty equal gender distribution in computer science. So I don't feel like as much of an outlier as um, the breakdown actually is like across the nation. But there's definitely like a lot of underlying feelings of imposter syndrome um, and feeling like you're being mansplained to a lot of the time or feeling like you can't ask a question because someone's going to judge you. Um, but I think that's something that a lot of people um, feel like regardless of gender, just being at like a school studying computer science. So that's really interesting. And I think we also have like a really good network of women in computer science. And I've like participated in a pre-orientation called Advancing Women in, women in Engineering which is just like a program for women in engineering to learn about things before they come into freshman year. And so it's been awesome. I was a leader for that the past two years after I participated in it my freshman year. Um, so I think that was like a really awesome way to like be introduced into it. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like, you know, obviously I see that in, in, in comp sci, but even in mechanical engineering too, back when COVID didn't exist, uh, we could look across our classroom and, there just weren't that many girls, and I think I'm on LinkedIn a lot, um, and I saw <laughs> I saw a couple of videos where it's like um, you know, women talking about their experiences being in like a male dominated field, and how like I mean, you talked about like the mansplaining thing, like that just gets me so mad because it's like mm -hmm. I don't know, like it's just I feel like it's just basic like common sense, like you're just treating another person like a human or um, you guys have like the same end goal like there's no need to I don't know do that but have you ever like experienced any sort of like I guess discrimination in that sense of being like a woman in, in computer science? I feel like it's very implicit like I don't think I can think of ex an experience where someone has outright told me um, like something discriminatory but I feel like there's been instances where like my guy friends will joke about like oh, like, you're here because you're a woman, or things like that, but then it's, like, when you think more about it, it's, like, okay, is that okay for you to say to me? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I definitely love calling out my guy friends when they do say something like that, just because um, I feel like it comes from, like, an implicit bias standpoint, um, but, yeah, I don't think it's, it's very, like, front on, like, I don't think a random person would just say something discriminatory but I think it's just very like implicit yeah I, I feel that too um I think it's good that it's not just 
people are comfortable telling you that you're not good enough because you are. I feel like that if if you're in a place like that where like the culture is just say whatever you want, don't care what other people think. I think that's a pretty toxic environment. Um, but sure. I think to a certain extent, sometimes I get that where um, people will look at like you know I'm Chinese American and they're like, oh, you're here because you help us with our diversity numbers or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I don't get that as often. But, like, I kind of see what you're saying whenever people look at you and they automatically assume, like, you're just here as another statistic and not because, like, you can actually yeah, contribute. Yeah, that's so interesting because I feel like there's so many Asians at Penn were almost, like, overrepresented. But what is it like for you, like, in Texas? Like, how is the Asian American community at A&M? Yeah, A&M is definitely, like, a predominantly white um, university. I think they've definitely made some strides to become more inclusive. Um, they definitely have a lot more things they can do. And it's kind of sad because I remember like freshman year coming into A&M, I felt like, you know, people see me as like this this Chinese kid over here before they see me as like an A&M student or like, you know what I mean? And so I was not sure that I was going to like find a home here and it was blatantly obvious, like, you go to, like, I don't know, a common gathering area on campus and, like, a cafeteria, and you'll see, like, Asian people have their own, like, table, and then everyone else, like, it's, like, really, se- not, like, segregated on purpose, but it just kind of happens that way, like, um, the Asian group will stick together, and I definitely have felt, like, I'm not just only going to hang out with Asian people, like, but I'm also not just going to hang, like, I'm just going to hang out with whoever like I click with the best you know exactly whether it they are people of color or whether they aren't and so um I think as I've gotten older I have not really worried too much about you know people seeing me as Chinese before I am an A&M student or an Aggie but um it's definitely something that's always like finds its way into the back of my mind somehow so Mm -hmm. it's really interesting yeah that's kind of surprising to me because I had like kind of the opposite experience because I came from like the Midwest where my suburban hometown is predominantly white. I feel like there weren't many Asian people or people of color at my school. And then coming here, I was like shocked by the number of Asian people around me. I was like, wow, this is like so awesome. Like I think Penn is like around 20% Asians. So it was kind of like baffling. I was like, wow, like I was very, um, I was just, I just grew up in such a like, non-diverse community, I feel like. Yeah, it's actually the opposite for me. I kind of grew up, well, I grew up in a, I guess my high school was also predominantly white, but there's also a lot of Asian people, and then I just come yeah. here, and there's a lot of white people and not as many. It's like, A&M's population's like 66,000 or whatever, and it's a pretty small amount of minorities, so definitely was an adjustment. Yeah, for sure, I bet. Wow. <laughs> we really went in the opposite directions. <laughs> Um, I also was curious too are there any misconceptions of going to like an Ivy League school I feel like thinking back I don't remember what I expected Um, but I'm definitely like happy with what I found here I feel like some of the misconceptions though um, stem around people similar to my parents like my parents especially my dad has the mindset where if you don't go to like a prestigious college, then like it's going to be harder for you to be successful in life. And I feel like that's not true because like each individual has their own amount of drive to be successful. And like, I don't think where you go to college um, 
is going to change that drastically. Um, and another thing that I was just talking about with some of my friends was just because we go to an Ivy League doesn't mean we know how to get in. Like, we all think we just got in because it was kind of like a crapshoot. And I know, like, this conversa conversation came about because one of my friends was telling us how their family friend or something was, like, asking them to edit an essay for their kid and was paying them, like, $50 an hour. And we were like, well, like, we're just going to, like, edit the grammar. Like, I don't know what to tell you to how to, like, write an essay to get in. So I think that's super interesting. Like, we really, like, don't know the formula. Yeah. Admission, like, college admissions is such a, like, shot in the dark. And there's yeah, so, like, every admissions officer looks for something different. It's impossible to predict what what is, like, the perfect formula, I guess. Exactly. And it's so holistic. I think it's crazy. Like, if our parents didn't immigrate to the United States, we would have grown up in China where their, like, college admissions is just, like, a single test. It would just be, like, the SAT. And that's it. Like, that's the only metric of getting into school. So I'm very happy that America does, like, a holistic application process. Yeah. Something else, too, you mentioned, I... I kind of like realize this is, yeah, your college doesn't really define you of like what career options are available. Um, mm -hmm. It's definitely like a talking point. Like if somebody goes to Stanford, like that's obviously you associate Stanford to be very prestigious school, like the people coming mm -hmm. out of it. You know, there are all these like stereotypes of universities. But at the end of the day, like a company isn't going to hire somebody based off a stereotype. I'd hope not. I like mm -hmm. they're going to try to get to know you. And like you also need to be able to back up like your work and, and your work ethic and everything, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and then what, what's like an embarrassing moment you've had in college? I feel like you've had a lot. <laughs> you think I've had a lot? <laughs> Just knowing who you are and, and your personality, I feel like you, you found yourself in a lot of unfortunate situations. <laughs> well, it's funny because I don't think I'm embarrassing, but <laughs> no, I've definitely had a lot of embarrassing moments some are like way too embarrassing to speak about publicly but one of them that comes to mind <laughs> okay so in the spring of freshman year is when like we do our sorority rush for freshmen I guess sophomores too but um I went in just kind of like curious about Greek life so it actually really sucked because we like rushed in the winter so everyone would be like lined up outside of houses like and their winter coats just like shivering until we were like allowed to go inside the houses to talk to the, like the girls. But one of the days, I don't know what happened, but I think, so I ate at one of our dining halls and I had like these dumplings that they had like once every two months. And that night at Sorority Rush, I was inside one of the houses and I was like not feeling well at all. I like, I asked for like a cup of water. I like felt so embarrassed because like, I was just like not presenting myself how I wanted to during sorority rush when you're like trying to impress people. And that house just did not go well. Like the conversation was like not super great. And then I go to like the next house, which is my final house of the night. And I can like feel something stirring up. And I like really did not want anything to happen because we were like surrounded by like so many people. Like if you've ever rushed to sorority, you know how like you're like talking in a room and all you hear around you is like so much loud chatter. And I think that was kind of like triggering for me. And so I ended up like asking the girl, like if I could use the bathroom in her house. And as soon as I stepped in, I like projectile vomited into the toilet. Oh my gosh. So bad. 
I felt horrible and it was I was so embarrassed because I could like still hear people like talking outside and like going about their like small talk conversations and I was just like spewing like everything I ate into the toilet and it was so embarrassing and I ended up using one of the girls um, mouthwash and then they like offered to make me like a sugar drink it was really sweet and I was like oh I was mortified but that was the sorority I like ended up joining after that week which was super ironic because of that whole experience but yeah very interesting very very interesting uh did 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 you miss did you miss the toilet at all (laughs) I think it like got on like the side of the like rim but nothing like on the floor but I remember like I had to like wipe it up and just like pretend like nothing happened (laughs) oh that is so funny yeah I could picture you doing that (laughs) you could picture me Were you the one who, like, manifested my food poisoning or something? Maybe. I could have just, you know... What time was it at? Was it, like, at 11.11 or, like, 4.44 or something? (laughs) Somewhere around there. Oh, that's that's really unfortunate. I'm glad, you know, you're still able to leave a good impression for them to take you. Are you happy with that sorority? Um, I don't know if we talked about this, but I actually dropped that sorority, like, a year ago. And then I joined um, Theta Tau. an engineering frat. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but back to you. I want to hear like an embarrassing story. Oh my gosh. Embarrassing story in college. I know you have more than I do. No. I, see, um, oh, okay. I mean, this happened freshman year. I have really bad vision. I need to wear glasses everywhere I go. And I have to wear glasses at night, otherwise I definitely cannot see. I like to compare it to whenever you are like on portrait mode on your phone and you focus in on like your main target, you know how like the background gets super blurry? Like that's how I see without my glasses. Like it's super bad. Oh my God. (laughs) I was going to say, I remember you told me about this thing where you wear contacts, like hard lenses in your eyes when you sleep. And then the next morning you take them out and you can like see. Yes. Okay. I'll get to that later. That a lot of people don't actually know about that, but um, I'll get to that later. Anyways, I wasn't wearing glasses one time. I was riding my bike around campus and I figured I knew campus well enough to where I didn't have to wear my glasses, but I guess I didn't because I ended up riding down a set of stairs. It was like five or six flights of stairs and I somehow was able to manage to stay on until the very end. I had to like do a little side hop off the bike (laughs) and I like rolled onto like this patch of grass and I was like I hope nobody saw that and then someone was like hey someone was like hey you good and I was like uh yeah sorry just just slipped (laughs) so you didn't see a full set of stairs coming in front of you I did not see a full set of stairs coming (laughs) it was so embarrassing um oh my gosh that's quite the experience I would pay to see like the security cam footage of that oh my gosh I I wasn't hurt luckily but it's funny looking back on it um but to go back with the, the contact lenses, so in high school, I guess all throughout like middle school and high school, I always wore hard contacts because um, I played baseball. I didn't want to wear like glasses. And so you put these hard contacts on at night, you sleep. If you get like eight hours of sleep, you're good. Take them off in the morning, you can see 20-20 for a day. But if you don't wear them, if you don't wear them at night the following day, um, your vision keeps deteriorating until... I guess like after a week, your vision is like the same as it was without like any sort of modification or contact lenses. So you had to wear this every night. Interesting. 
Yeah, I remember when you told me about this like a few years back, and I was just so perplexed. I just never heard of a concept where you can like put lenses on your eyes at night and then have them be good. You take yeah. them out in the morning, right? Yes. So how does that? I wonder how that works. Um. So I don't know how to describe it, but I just know like I guess at the front of your eye, it's like pushing down on something, and. I don't know how to like. Let's pretend like your eye is like you got your eye, and then you got like this layer that is in front of your eye. And if your vision is very bad, that layer is very thick. But if that if your vision is good, then that layer is thin. So like what these hard contacts would do was compress that layer until it was super thin. But it wasn't permanent, so you had to keep doing it over and over again. So like that layer could be like as thin as possible. Wow, that is really cool. Yeah, but because you know they were meant to like push down on something. If you got if you had the contact stuck in like the white part of your eye, it would hurt. <laughs> oh no! Is it different from putting in or taking out regular contact lenses? So I've never taken out or put in regular contact lenses, um, but I think it is different. You can't use your hands to get them out. You have to use like this like suction thing or whatever. Oh, what? <laughs> it's weird. You should post like a video demo. No, I don't want to touch my eyeballs ever again. <laughs> yeah, I remember being so scared when I got contact lenses of the concept of sticking your fingers in your eyeball to like take them out. It was terrifying at first, but I'd be so scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, I know you have a photography account. So, what kind of got you into photography? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think in high school, my dad got like a family camera. Um, I feel like that's kind of like an Asian parent thing, like loves like getting a camera so they can take pictures when they travel, but like not actually do a whole lot with it. Definitely. So, <laughs> um, I played a lot, a lot around with it in high school, just like taking pictures of like grass in our backyard like trying to be like artsy and like make something cool with it um and I think like a year or so after that I started like submitting photos to um the Minnesota State Fair photo contest and I did that like all throughout high school after that and I ended up like winning like a few things from that um but I was never like super serious about any of it but then when I got to college, I joined this club called Pen Lens, which is kind of like like a club, also like a job, because you get paid for it. So like a bunch of different organizations on Penn's campus would hire us to take pictures, mostly for different like events. So that's kind of how I got back into it. I was able to like borrow gear, um, use super nice lenses for these events. So that kind of got me back into it. And then when quarantine started, I definitely like got more interested in it after that because I was able to just take like portrait pictures of my friends from like six feet away like it was just really fun to like be able to play around with that and yeah I think that's how not very exciting <laughs> did you ever like watch videos on how I guess how to improve or did you kind of just learn by doing mm, yeah I definitely watched videos like YouTube is probably like my childhood and I think it's awesome that you can like find anything on it so like my recommended on YouTube is probably like a third photography like a third vlogs and like a third like commentary or like random stuff <laughs> obviously I know like t 
taking pictures on an actual camera is different than like taking it on your iPhone. But are there any like crossover things you've learned that can apply to both? Wow, that's a really good question because I feel like when I take pictures of my friends at the phone, I'm like, oh, like this looks like all right. But I feel like my favorite thing about using a camera is just being able to change like the aperture. So like how blurry like the background can be. And I feel like that's not very like applicable to using an iPhone except for when like portrait mode came out. That was super cool. I really like that mode, but I think it has like a few problems with it. Like it doesn't always look super good depending on the lighting. <laughs> but I think something that's really important is just like the rule of thirds, um, which applies to like the iPhone. Like that's why there's like a grid on your on your screen. What is that? I, I don't know what that is. The rule of thirds. <laughs> the rule of thirds basically says that pictures are more interesting when the focus of the picture is like on like one of the third parts of it. So like if there's a grid, there's going to be like two lines going each way. And so like the points of interest are like the ones where the lines intersect. Interesting. I didn't know that. I feel like hopefully I've been doing that. Hopefully, you know, it's intuitive to me. But if not, I think I'll experiment with it and get back to you. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely should. Maybe start your own photography account. Maybe. Um, If it wasn't like if you weren't doing like photography or like computer science, what do you think you would be doing? Either as a hobby or as like a major? I think that's a question that gets asked a lot, but usually it's like, if you weren't studying computer science, like, what would you want to do? And then I always say, like, travel photography, because I think that's such a cool job. Um, but if that's being banned, too, I think I would probably say something to do with space. Like, I've always just loved, like, learning about space. Um, I'm currently doing this, like, NASA Mission Concept Academy throughout the semester. So we meet, like, once a week um, with everyone. There's, like, a couple hundred kids in it. And then we're assigned like smaller teams outside of that. So I have like a team of eight that I meet with like weekly as well. And we um, have to like make our own mission plan, um, which is super awesome. Like it's, we're planning a mission to Enceladus, which is one of the moons on Saturn. And it's really interesting because I feel like with a computer science education, like it's not super relevant, but a lot of like the people I'm working with are aerospace engineers or like um, astrophysics majors. So it's super cool. That sounds so cool. Uh, I've always been, like, like super interested in space just because, like, there's so much unknown. It's kind of like the right. ocean. Like, you don't know what – like, we only know such a small part of it. But space especially because, um, like, it's just so vast and you have, like, light years. Like, <laughs> it's just weird, like, concept of time and how time is right. different. So what about space interests you the most? Oh, what you were saying reminded me of the, like, YouTube videos where it, like, zooms out. It's like, this is Earth, and then it zooms out, like, infinitesimally. Like, it's just so big. I think what you said, like, I definitely agree with just the, like, breadth and, like, the size of space has always, like, captured my attention. But then I think um, a lot of things, like, with the solar system are just so, like, interesting. Like, I forgot what happened in, like, 20... 18 there was like a solar eclipse and that was something that I got really interested in as well um but yeah I'm definitely like always watching like videos about it and trying to learn more about it do you believe that there is intelligent life out there I think I do but I don't know if we will ever find it what do you think 
I definitely feel like there is intelligent life just because, like, with a universe, like, as large as ours and the fact that there are also other universes out there, I think the chances of there not being it is very small. But like you said, it's very interesting about, like, are we ever going to be in contact with them? Have they already seen, like, have they seen us? And are they just like, oh, like, we don't want to mess with that planet or that. (laughs) (laughs) They're watching our every move. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. I think aliens, like, used to scare me so much when I was a kid. I remember my mom read us a book about aliens, and I was scared to walk across the hall at night to, like, go to my own room. It was terrifying. But I think, yeah, I think there is, like, a very small chance that life doesn't exist outside of Earth. Like, that's very um, egotistical to think, I guess. No, yeah. And I think another interesting concept, kind of like the whole time thing, is how, like, I don't know, I guess light takes, like, what, seven, eight minutes from the sun to reach to the Earth. So, like, for all we know, like, the light we're getting right now could be radiating from a sun that no longer exists, right? That is crazy, yeah. That's scary to think about. I think another, like, thing about space is just the fear factor. Like, you don't know what's happening out there. I don't know if I'll ever, like, know. And then, like, wormholes and all those different... I don't even know what other stuff there is out there, but that's just, like, that concept is interesting. Yeah, yeah, I would love to learn more about it. Maybe we'll take an astrophysics class next semester. How did you find out about this NASA thing, since you said it wasn't super, like, applicable to computer science? I don't remember how I found out about it. Maybe through LinkedIn? Um, But, yeah, I just just applied online, like, in the summer, and... um, it was marketing itself as a program for anyone interested in working in the space industry. So I knew like computer science wouldn't be super relevant, although it like is in a way. Um, but I just applied because I wanted to like learn more about it and it's been like really fun learning more. That's awesome. Yeah, if you don't have a LinkedIn, you definitely need to get one. It is a <laughs> it is a gateway to a lot of opportunities. Yeah, oh my gosh. I remember being like, so disappointed but also like I don't know like pleasantly surprised when I hit like the you know the like 500 connections benchmark (laughs) I think everyone strives for that (laughs) yeah such a meme yeah I used to be so intimidated by LinkedIn like everyone posting all these inspiring posts and then they're Mm -hmm. you know job hopping or not job hopping but like transitioning jobs and then I look at their history and it's like they're going from Google to Microsoft to Amazon like oh Oh my gosh (laughs) it is so intimidating definitely don't spend more than like five minutes at a time on LinkedIn yeah don't um I have another question for you I think this is a Mm -hmm. is a fun one I've never asked anyone but who are three people in college you have met who have helped you a lot, but you haven't had the chance to tell them that they've helped you? That is such a good question. Um, and I feel like I think of people who are, like, not my close friends because I, like, I feel like I do express appreciation for them directly. And I would think of people, like, my TAs or like professors. And I think one of those people would probably be my major advisor. Um, He was also one of my professors last semester and he is someone who cares like really deeply about mental health in the computer science department at our school. And 
he also left this past summer, so I went to another school, um, and I had to switch advisors, but he's someone who definitely, like, impacted my first two years at Penn, um, and just, like, advocating for the, like, underrepresented in the community, and just, um, helping us get more, like, mental health days, which has been really awesome, so he would be one of the people, um, I think another one would be one of the TAs from my first computer science class I took freshman year. He was just, like, so enthusiastic about, like, sharing his knowledge, I guess, with all us, like, freshmen, and that kind of, like, sparked, like, more of an excited feeling towards the topic than I had before. So he would be another pe person. And the last one? Hmm... The last one would probably just be, like, the entirety of my engineering frat, Theta Tau. They've just been, like, such an awesome community on campus, and I joined sophomore year, and I just remember feeling so, like, understood, and I felt like I clicked with so many people in the group, um, and everyone in the frat is just, like, so awesome. We have, like, such a great community on campus, so them as a whole. <laughs> Shout out to OT. And they're not like all computer science majors too. They're all engineering majors, right? It's, it's all engineering, yeah. So it's awesome. Like everyone can like find someone in the group to like do homework with, like compare answers with, or like do anything outside of engineering with, which is awesome. We're doing a spike ball tournament tomorrow. I'm super excited about that. I had no idea you played spike ball. <laughs> not like competitively, just for fun, you know? Are you good? I like to think I'm pretty good. I'll update you tomorrow if oh, I win the tournament. Please do. I I thought spike ball was just like a Texas thing, honestly. No, not at all. <laughs> I do remember that you won that like glow in the dark rim. Yeah. That was so cool. I was so jealous. I was like, okay, I want one now. Yeah, so spike ball, like their Instagram account had a giveaway. They're doing like a live. So you tuned in on the live. You requested to join their video, and they would just pick a random person to get featured. And there's it's like a Jeopardy kind of, um, where you pick like a category, and you pick like you're like 100, 200, 300, and you know I guess the challenge gets revealed, and you complete that challenge with the person hosting the live. And if you beat them, then you get to pick anything under a certain amount of money. Like I chose. I think I chose like the medium or small category since that was the only categories left and they let me pick something $60 or less in their store, That's which is awesome. really nice. Was it a hard decision? Like what other things were you about to consider getting? They, uh, not really because a lot of my friends have spike ball nets here. So like I kind of just mooch off of them, but nobody had a glow in the dark set with glow in the dark balls that you could charge. So I was like, that's going to be my contribution. <laughs> I think I would laugh so hard if I was just like walking around at night and I saw someone playing spike ball with the glow in the dark set. Yeah, I've never seen it, so hopefully I can use it soon. But it's definitely been it's been getting a bit cold, so we'll have to be strategic of when we play. Oh yeah, definitely, especially at night. Uh, another fun question I have, and we'll break this down into parts. But imagine okay. this: so you are in a grocery store, and you can only pick three items for breakfast three items for lunch, and three items for dinner. What are you getting? We'll start with the breakfast. What three items are you getting? Okay, first of all, I just want to make a disclaimer that I never eat breakfast 
because I don't wake up early enough. But <laughs> if I were, <laughs> but if I were, I would pick. So there's this yogurt brand called Nusa Yogurt. I think it's Canadian, but it is so delicious. I highly recommend trying it if you haven't before. Um, I would get like a tub of Nusa Yogurt. And with that, I would probably get granola, either like the Nature Valley or like, there's this like bear brand, I forgot what it's called, but super good granola. And I would like eat a banana a day. So I would definitely just say a banana. I love bananas. Okay. I, oh gosh, I wasn't expecting it to get turned on me. <laughs> um, so I actually do wake up early for breakfast. I, even when I don't have Flex to. Flex on me. Well, I realize that it's kind of important, I guess. I, I, don't know. I don't know another way to say it, but I realized I was like, why am I so hungry before lunch? Oh, it's because I didn't eat anything. Didn't breakfast. What time do you wake up at? Like, when do you usually eat your breakfast? I usually wake up around 7 to 9 a.m. Like, that's like, and it's like naturally, too. I think it's because, like, I just, I started working out a lot, like, I guess in May, Right whenever, I guess, they allowed people to start working out or something. I don't know. Oh and I woke up early because I was like, if I work out, I feel accomplished for the day. And so I work out in the mornings most days, and I try to, like, eat breakfast before I leave, which is super nice. So I'd probably get milk. Um, I'd probably get some sort of cereal. I like um, Frosted Flakes and Honey Bunches. So those are Honey good. Bunches is my favorite. Honey bunches is so good. And then, yeah, I'll probably get like a banana or apple or something. So, yeah. Yeah, twins. Twins. Wow, I'm really impressed. Twins, even though we wake up like four hours apart from each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, let's see what you would get for lunch. Okay. Um, I probably eat avocado toast like a few times a week for like my brunch slash lunch. Um, so, because of that, I think I would just say a loaf of bread, an avocado, and eggs. <laughs> I feel like that's a nutritious yet tasty meal. And therefore, I like pat myself on the back whenever I make it. I'm <laughs> like, good job. <laughs> yeah, keep it simple. I think I'd choose something really similar, actually. I'd have like, like basically breakfast tacos except lunch tacos. <laughs> so I'd have like... Yeah. With only three ingredients, though? Yeah, I'm not super picky, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. <laughs> But I would have, like, my tortilla and then bacon and probably just, like, eggs. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we can share the eggs. Yeah, we can share the eggs. All right, dinner. What are you getting for dinner? Um, definitely need some protein in there. And my favorite form, even though I don't get it a lot because it's expensive for my budget, is salmon. I love salmon. Um, and with that, I would probably just say, like, rice and green beans. I just love all of that together with some, like, soy sauce, you know? Yeah, there you go. Food pyramid queen. <laughs> Health, baby. <laughs> yeah, salmon, I know what you're talking about. Sometimes I'll, like, put the salmon in my cart, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this little piece of salmon for 17 18 bucks. $17, <laughs> yeah. It hurts, but it's worth it sometimes. Yeah, it's, you got to use it for special occasions, but I would definitely, I'd probably just get like chicken and then rice mm. and like frozen veggies or something. I don't know. Frozen veggies. What are your favorite vegetables? I love corn. Corn is definitely one of my favorites. Mm. Um, I love 
mushroom when it's cooked, and I love onions. Um, onions are so good. And green beans. I love green beans and like edamame. Those are those are good. Yes. What, what about you? Also a health king. Um, I love broccoli, cauliflower. I think those are like my favorite vegetables, along with green beans. My mom also like my mom's a vegetarian, so she like fed me like every vegetable under the sun growing up, <laughs> which sometimes I hated, sometimes I loved. Um, I love scallions. I know they aren't like they're kind of just like a topping, you know, but we're like growing. Um, scallions in our kitchen <laughs> in my house. Like right now? Like yeah, like in... right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> you just, like, it's really easy. You just cut everything off, leave the root, and put it in water. Like, that's all you need to grow your own. See, you make it sound so simple, but I'd probably still find a way to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a video tutorial. That'd be very helpful. <laughs> I also wanted to ask, so you've been in Texas how many times? I know you've been there at least once. Just once, yeah, I think senior year of high school. I think I went there one other time, like, but just at the airport, so I'm not going to count that. Yeah, so I guess, what is something in Texas that you thought was true and then you, like a misconception that you realized was false or um, what's something, mm -hmm. I guess, you found strange <laughs> about Texas? Hmm. I think, like, the big stereotype about Texas for someone who, like, knows nothing about Texas is conservative and accents and i feel like that's not true for either of you or for like either of them are true for you have yeah. you heard of a spotted lanternfly no is that uh is that a northeast thing it's a philly thing they're like this bug that came um from japan i believe somewhere in asia and they don't have predators so they're just taking over the city of philly when it's warm out they're everywhere they're like you're supposed to stomp on them there's like a bunch of like campaigns that tell philadelphians to stomp on the bugs like when you see them and they're like the size of a quarter and they're pretty big and they have like pink wings are they harmful to you guys um not to us i think they're just really annoying because like they'll be everywhere especially in the summer that's interesting wow i guess they're really ugly i need to visit Philadelphia. I was okay. Yeah, if sorry. if my co-op is in Pittsburgh, though, I actually might. So yeah, definitely. Even though Pittsburgh, I think is like four hours away. I don't even know. Yeah, it's it's like five hours. I searched it up. Oh wow, surprisingly far for one state. But yeah, Pennsylvania is just huge. I'll definitely give you a ring whenever if I ever yes, get up please there. Please do. Our third time meeting in person. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Also, side note, whenever I was meeting Amy in Spain, I got really lost. I don't know if you remember, but I was like, we were like trying to figure out where each other were. And I was like, you see that thing far away in the distance that looks like a, I don't a even tower. know. Yeah, the tower. Like, can like, we? No. <laughs> it, it was rough. I think I spent a good 30, 45 minutes trying to find out where I was. <laughs> and then we passed each other on the street. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember, like, standing, because, like, you were going to come to me, but I was also trying to, like, move because I didn't want to stand there and just, like, have you come all the way to me. Yeah, we were looking at Find My Friends. <laughs> <laughs> or at least I was. I was, too. <laughs> Good times. I'm, I'm pretty happy that we were able to get that trip in, though, before, like, all I the know. restrictions. Yeah, good for us. I mean, no one could have predicted it either, but... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. All right. I guess the final question is what has been your hooray for today? My hooray for today? Okay. I'm going to expose myself and say I woke up at like 12.30. So, and right now it's, we started the set around 3.30. So I would probably just say this, like talking to you for the past hour has been really fun. So that's my hooray for today. Heck yeah. I'm happy. What's your hooray for today? Um... what did i do today um no pressure to say this but honestly honestly though i think it is this i i haven't really done much today and even though like even if i had i just hadn't talked to you in such a long time i think the only time like the last time i talked to you before this was whenever you were giving me some advice for my interview and then prior to prior to that i think i don't even know when it was but I'm glad we're able to catch up, <clears throat> you know. Oh, this has been great. It's been fun, even even though, you know, we've known each other for eight years now, <laughs> which is Maybe so weird to say. Nine. Definitely <laughs> going on nine. <laughs> um, I think it's cool that Amy and I have been able to keep up this relationship. I think it's just a testament to, especially her, for not being weirded out by meeting this <laughs> random kid on Facebook. And, and I don't even know how we got so close and like seventh and eighth grade like are you kidding yeah, me honestly shout out to eve wang yeah shout out to eve she yeah she was an origin story for us shout out to seven lakes high school shout out to woodbury high school right east ridge high school east ridge oh my gosh i just know that amy was homecoming queen and i was oh proud my of gosh. <laughs> wait weren't you homecoming king <laughs> yeah at your school This is making it into well, the podcast, just saying. That's when we peaked. <laughs> that's when we peaked. <laughs> Embarrassing. Yeah. Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. And Of course. Thank you for having me. This of course. Awesome to catch up. It's so much fun, and I cannot wait for people to learn about one of my longest tenured friends, I guess. <laughs> what an honor it is. I'm so happy for us. <laughs> Alrighty, well, goodbye. I will see you guys later.